All right, so we're gonna we're gonna take you guys through a a presentation, and uh, the goal is really just to give you an idea of uh, to jump into the experience with us, and to be able to see all the things that God did in His kingdom, everything that we are and everything that we do. If we're living according to the scriptures about expanding the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God expands through us. There's no if ands or buts about it. There's no institution, there's no system, there's no building, and there's no other way that God has chosen to expand his kingdom, but it's by our willful submission to not my will, but your will be done. And sometimes, not my will and your will be done will send us to some very interesting places. <laughs> and so for us, one of these interesting places turned out to be Africa. But before we jump in, we'd just like to say some thank yous. Uh, first and foremost, uh, Pastor Dave, it, I mean, the way that you opened up you know, yourself to us and how quickly you were to, to support us and love on us. And uh, Dave was so encouraging. Cover us. Cover us. Uh, he was so encouraging. Like, Dave, anytime you say anything, faith, you got to have faith. We go stand on it. We go believe it. God said it. We go do it. Like, it's just, it's like a bottle out of a rocket and he just goes for it. Uh, we would like to thank everybody that supported us, man. It was, it was insane. We didn't know we were going to do this. We had actually, we didn't know we were going to go to, uh, our, our company had offered an opportunity to go do some ministry in Italy. And so I had said no. And then last minute we said yes. Kate was talking to Erica. And then Africa came up after that. So our first initial look at this was, ah, there's no way. <laughs> like, there's literally no way but God. But God, and as we go through this and you see what but God looks like, it's just going to show just God's kingdom is just, it's so big and it's so expansive and it's so far beyond anything that we can hope, ask, dream, or imagine about. And it has nothing to do with what God can provide. It has everything to do with to what we believe that God can provide for. And normally the bridge is the distance between what we're willing to believe and act for and the things that God has already provided. And so... Uh, we'd also like to thank Kate and Aaron for, uh, Aaron Noblet for all that they were doing with the financial system. And then uh, my brother, Brandon. Uh, Brandon actually opened up the opportunity for us to, to even have this adventure. We've been doing life with the smelters, and Brandon has just become a dear brother of mine uh, uh, through some divine intervention to bring our families together. And Shannon, if I, when I call Shannon, Shannon is so quiet and does not like, like just the fact that y'all are looking at her right now, you're going to see an apple come out. <laughs> like, and so, uh, did I miss anybody? The Rhodes family, that, well, we're going to do that in like 32 seconds. But, <laughs> so, uh, we'd also like to thank Pastor Richard Banda, uh, Bread of Life International and Lighthouse Ministries. These were some of the ministries that we partnered with when we went down there. Pastor Banda is about this big. I might be giving him a couple inches, but <laughs> I know he's going to be watching this, so I got I to gotta get him. He's also the funniest, jokingest guy that you have ever met. I'm going to make up at least 15 words as I'm talking. Jokingness is not a word for children that are out there. Don't use that again. Don't quote it. I might patent it. <laughs> but Pastor Banda is full of faith. He is a man that is full of faith. He is a powerful man of God. And as you get to see the things that his uh, God has been doing through him, as we go throughout this presentation, you're going to see that. Uh, this was our team. I'd like to ask the Smelter family and the Rhodes family, please stand up. Oh, yes. This is where it gets embarrassing. <laughs> if we could give them a hand clap. So uh, that's Brandon. Oh, I did not say sit down. Educator's Day. Uh, in the green shirt right there. I know. He said, time out. That's Brandon. It's his oldest daughter, Hannah. That's his amazing wife, Shannon. Okay. This is David. That's Grayson. That is Dawson, the funniest man on the planet, <laughs> and his wife, Teresa. And they were our team. And the, uh, one of the things that we're going to point out to here is when you're faithful to God, and uh, Brandon would say, uh, God, you remember it? Of course you remember it. You said God assembles, right? And then what do we say? We invite, right? And then the queer thing is the Spirit of God empowers us to be able to function harmoniously to do whatever work we've been called together to do. Uh, it's no different than this room. It's no different than the work that you've been called to do. And uh, you're going to see. Y'all can sit down now. Thank you. <laughs> you're not going to be up for the next 20 minutes. Okay, so we're going to jump into it. This is Tin Room. This is Tin Room. And uh, I'll let Erica explain what Tin Room is. 
So there was two ten room T E N. One of the stories we got was that when this space started, there were ten homes there. So they would call it ten rooms. The other is T I N room, which most of the homes were made out of corrugated tin and just kind of pieced together. You can see some of that in the background. So this was our mission field, so to speak. And um <clears throat> it was pretty it was pretty eye opening. When I first when we first got there, I know for me it was it was a lot to take in. It was very overwhelming just to see uh, the living conditions and the the space that children were in. And when we went, it wasn't hot. It was winter, so it is winter in South Africa. So the temperatures were. I, I stay cold, so 60 degrees is freezing to me. But 50s, 60s in the day, and then at night 30s, 40s. So it was pretty. It was pretty cool. And the communities are just massive. Uh, you hear about things like this, but until you walk in there and you experience it, it's a totally different ball game. This is a shot from the car, and I couldn't even panorama the size of how widespread these communities are. And when she says 10 rooms, it's a corrugated sheet about that thick, and the people just work slowly over time, and they buy one sheet at a time, and they build a little metal shack sitting on some dirt floor, and it is a 10 room, quite simply a 10 room. And so... Um, the community consisted of an estimated about 1,800 children. The number just kept getting higher and higher. We were laughing. We were, we were planning with Pastor Banda, and he kept saying, TIA, this is Africa. And I'm like, what does that mean? And what that means is there are no plans. <laughs> there are no facts. There are no definitive dots. It is literally you get there and let's just see what God does, you know. And so uh, when we went over there, we wanted to add some value, but... Uh, we also had to learn that the government won't fund a lot of these people because they're illegal immigrants. In the United States, we have something called naturalization, meaning if you have a baby over here, that baby is a U.S. citizen and gets all of the benefits of being a U.S. citizen, including education. They don't have that over there. So that means that if you flee anything, whether it's persecution, whether it's an oppressive government, when you get there, you just get there. And then you just kind of got to figure it out. And so the children are missing a lot of their basic needs, and they're also not getting educated because the parents are at work trying to make money, buy 10 rooms and things of that nature. And um, so they can take a test at age 16 for citizenship, but anybody who's tried to take a test after not being educated for a long time, you can probably guess how well that works out for you, right? And so when we went down there, we had strategic goals. One of the things that we're not a fan of is... Uh, the principles in the book of James where it says that if somebody is hungry and I just pray for them, I miss the whole point if I don't give them the burger too, right? And so it's not about the either or, it's about yes. So what we wanted is we wanted a yes opportunity. And Brandon was, was very, very strategic in this. I love that man. So when we went over there, we realized very quickly that Everything is going to be about what we can empower other people to do for themselves. Everything is about, that's how the kingdom of God expands. The kingdom of God expands one heart at a time, empowering one person at a time to do the will of God for their lives in this moment in time. Okay? And so this is how it expands. So our job, that we call it discipling, but discipling is the process of bringing someone into the kingdom teaching and empowering them with their specific gifts so that they can do God's work through them in the kingdom of God. And that all comes back to developing leaders. So we had some strategic goals that we had, uh, which was to assess the situation. We had no idea what we were going to, we started off, we were like, how many children is going to be? And he's like, 100. I'm like, okay, we can do 100 children, you know? And then we talked again and he's like, how many is going to be? 150. And I'm like, okay, we could do 150. And then he was like, well, maybe 300. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm like, Pastor Richard. And he said, T-I-A, this is Africa. <laughs> so we had to learn uh, to, be un to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Uh, we were going to provide a, a summer camp. We felt that was the low-hanging fruit. The very least thing that we can do is we can go over here and allow these children to experience things that they've never experienced before and to give them an opportunity to decompress. In these communities, the same thing as PTSD to live there. It's like going off to a war. It's the exact same thing happens within their brains. So uh, we felt that we could give them an opportunity to step away from that and to be able to have a moment to, uh, to decompress and to create a solution that empowers the local African community.
So this is the Lighthouse Ministries where we were, um, where we slept in our lodging. So every morning we would get up and as our team, uh, and also some of the volunteers that work with Pastor Bonda, we would get together, we would have praise and worship, we would have prayer, there would be a devotional word that um, Brandon would give. And as you can see in the bottom right corner, like anytime you get together, like it's a party. Like we're, we're singing, we're dancing, we're moving, they're teaching us, you know, Zambian movements to the songs. And it was just really awesome. And this is how we started every morning. Um, and you can see uh, David, guys, what do y'all call David? Oh, we call him King David. <laughs> That was your name. That was your nickname. So King David is over there and he, with the whiteboard, and he would, you know, do the strategic piece of it. Um, so we had a lot, of, a lot of gifts. We had a lot of different pieces, and we all worked together to kind of see what, we're, what we were going to do for the day. And so this was kind of our way of going to God and like, okay, Lord, what, what would you have us do this day? Because we didn't have a clue. We, you know, it's a different culture. We don't know what we're going into we're educators and have been educators for years, almost, I mean, combined, probably almost 40 years. But we would go in with the American mindset of this is how we do education. Right. And that is just not a wise thing to do. So we leaned on Pastor Banda for information about, you know, the culture, the, the country. We leaned on the volunteers with information about, you know, Tell us about Tin Room because some of the volunteers actually lived in the community. And we dance. We dance. Boy, look at me. I'm getting it. I'm telling you. Y'all thought I was old. In a minute, I'm going to go down and I'm actually going to come back up, Pastor David. <laughs> Boy, I'm telling you, the Africans dance at everything. Everything is a reason to dance for Jesus. I'm telling you. I'm serious. I'm glad I got them knee shots before I left and the Lord touched them too. So... So every morning, we, we started off dancing and praising the Lord. And for Africans, it is a full body experience. And, it is, and a team sport. And so a team sport, as Brandon would say. Brandon would start the morning off with these amazing devotionals to kind of frame our minds around. This is the work that the Lord is doing. You know, when you shift your thinking on anything that you've been called to do from this is a work that I am doing to this is the work that the Lord is doing through me, it decompresses all the pressure off of it. It decompresses all the pressure off of it. When God becomes bigger than the thing that you're doing and you realize that you're just a water hose, meaning that, you know, you've never walked into a garden and glorified a water hose. And if you have, we'll talk afterwards. Brandon knows a good counselor, right? <laughs> the water hose is just a vehicle that God delivers things through, right? It's all about the water that comes from the source. And so we're just water hoses. And the more that you can frame your mind to be there, the quicker God can use you to flow through you to glorify his name. And it takes all the pressure off of it. It's just about staying obedient, being yielded, and never putting a clog off in there. And in God's water hose, the clog is disobedience. That's the clog. The only thing that can stop God from flowing through you is when we become disobedient. He says, build an ark. And we say, I want a steamship. It's like, no, I said build an ark, right? So uh, after praise and worship we would uh, begin to go to a tin room. And what we decided to do for the summer camp with the low-hanging fruit is we said that we could have a reading section, we could have an art, athletics, and then we can assist in, in the daily food for the children. And so every day we would begin with daily walks. And this is what it looked like. We would go into these communities and I would have a little speaker and children would come from everywhere. My hype man, Nate, he's, he's out of here. But Nate would be going through there, and he would be rocking and popping, and we saw like multitudes. Can you imagine what it was like to just sit there, like walking through these streets? No shoes, many of them no jackets. And this was our advertisement, so um, there's no internet, there's no passing out of flyers, there's no, oh, this is a bulletin at school, we heard about this program. This was our advertisement. We came together and at the there's a small building there which is their kindergarten, they call it creche. There would be children waiting for us when we got there. And so then we would go and we would break up into uh, two groups. One group would go down the hill throughout the community and we're literally walking through the dirt streets walking past piles of trash, walking past, 
you know, some people, you know, who were, you know, having beers or just kind of, there were like clubs there with pool tables. It was, I was like, wait, what? Wow. This is really interesting. Like it is truly like a, a small little city. And so we're walking through singing and playing music and people would hear us and come out and they're like, well, what's going on? So we would have some of the volunteers who would translate. There's so many different languages there. Uh, they would translate to some of the parents and letting them know there's a group that's here. Of course, they could kind of tell we were from America. And um, they were telling them about the, the summer camp. And, want, you know, and some was just begging the children to come and motioning, like, come, come. And some would kind of look and, out of curiosity, come and follow the crowd. But um, it was really cool. So that was our advertisement. And once we got back, because of the unsurety with the numbers, as the team, as a team, we thought it would be better to have centers so that if we do have a really large group, we can kind of break them up a little bit. So this was our first day um, where we were getting ready, that he just passed, getting ready for the day prepping. And uh, one of the stations was reading. You see Miss Shannon and Sarah, five-year-old. Um, the whole Smelters family came there. So from age five all the way up to the adults and everybody worked. Everyone volunteered. Sarah helped with reading and passing out food and like everybody, it was all hands on deck, literally. And uh, so that's two people, Tendeka and what was the, Tendeka on the right? Jacqueline on the left in the brown jacket. And so like she was saying, there's so many languages, you have to have a translator for everything. And I don't know if, I, my first time to teach what a translator was down there, this is not an easy thing to do at all. Um, Brandon was really having, a, I felt like I had the best hype man ever. He was like, you can do this. Because <laughs> I'm fast and I like to roll with it. <laughs> He's slow. But anyway, so uh, Tendeka and they were translating sometimes three, like three different languages. So she'd speak English, then they would translate in one language, then they translate in another language. Look at Shannon's face over there like, can you imagine? <laughs> it's like, it took a long time to get through that. But you have to frame all this in the context of how are we going to educate these children? Right. Because whatever we put in place, it's got to accommodate their lifestyle, their situation, the things that they are going through. And so this is one of the quick things that we had to discover is it's not like in America where I can get up there and talk in English and be done with it. Like you've got to build in things. And that's why the African leadership was so important. Uh, we also had an art room at an old church. So for the art station, as you can see in the upper right corner, there's no table so that can make it pretty difficult, but you use what you have. And the children were so excited just to sit on the floor with a crayon and a piece of paper and color and draw. And it was crazy. I teach art um, at school. And so the most that I've probably had in a classroom was maybe 30, maybe 35. We had about 65 children ranging from like two because some of the toddlers wanted to be with their siblings, so they didn't want to go anywhere else. So from toddlers all the way up to maybe 10, 11, 12 years old. And uh, you see Hannah just doing some mo just motions, and they were just mimicking her, just having a, a wonderful time, just little things that we take for granted. They just, they loved it. And you also see, we also had, um, you see in the back, Miss Teresa at the... Um, bracelet making table, the bracelet team. Oh my goodness, Grayson, Miss Teresa, uh, Dawson, Dawson, and Hannah came up with the idea of you know making handmade bracelets and wanted to put the names of the children so that they feel important and they feel loved. And we were like, oh, okay, yeah. It turned out to be a huge, huge deal. And if one of those babies did not get their bracelets, it was like, I want a bracelet. I want a bracelet. Um, but they did as many as they could. And you can see one of the babies at the top promise with the bracelet. And we got bracelets as well. So that was, that was really sweet. And then you had David. So David is an, uh, he's into real estate and he's a big time real estate guy, uh, developer. I actually wanted to connect him with Bob and Howard just because his heart for the Lord is just so beautiful. But the, uh, 
David would sit there all as, and the children would surround him. I'm talking pressing in on the left and one by one, like they just wanted him to draw. Can you draw me a house? And they would cherish it, a car. And it was the crazy how much gratification they got out of simple things. And it wasn't momentary gratification like us. It was a lasting, you've done something for me. And the appreciation was, they wanted to show everybody. They wanted to, paper airplanes. We had, one day we ran out of stuff to do and I'm like, I can afford a paper airplane. And and they're like, let's do it. And so David and I were over there and we had to make over a hundred and some paper because and the next thing you know, you have, you know, look like DFW Airport on steroids. You ever watch one of them fast forward videos and they show the planes coming in and out and it's like, and they're flying everywhere? Yes, that was us. And praise God, we all have eyes and ears and, and all of that stuff worked out for us because we did not go with insurance. Uh, another really cool thing that happened is uh, the Africans got with my wife and the, the young ladies fell in love with her. And so they came up to there and they said, we want to give you an African name. And uh, her name was? Buentamelo. I think I said it right. Buentamelo. And it means happiness. And then somebody got jealous. Wait, 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 wait. I covered it just for a moment, though. <laughs> I did. I covered it, but it was just for a moment. Like, literally, it was like maybe a millisecond. I mean, God, a thousand years is like a day. So it was probably like a millisecond in the kingdom of heaven. I covered it. You still see it? Okay, yeah, I covered it. I know I ain't gonna lie. Look, y'all pray for me. That's why we're here. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I, I, wanted a break. I wanted a name, too. I was like, she get a name, I should get a name. You know? So they gave me a name, and my name was Tumelo, and that means to believe. And then they start, Erica started, like, everybody started getting names. Well, my name was called Spusiso, which means gift from God. And I received the African name Jubulo. It means kind of happy. We're not sure. There might have been a communication difference. We didn't know, but that's what they said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, you win some, you lose some. You know, <laughs> we can't bat 100 all the way across the board here, people. Come on, give them some grace. Give them some grace. And so, uh, After that, uh, we also had a sports section where the children got to go out and do sports. And I'm going to let the the boys talk about their experience. So as me and Rain, one of the many five leaders of in charge of the sports groups, as we have in the first photo is our main leader that was in charge of sports group, Brandon, and playing one of his games with the children that he made up called Chicken. And that's where they run around, chase them, and they'll just take the flags. (laughs) And, and the next next video that we have is um, a game of soccer going on after teaching them American football. And they really enjoyed te- learning American football. It was something new that brought to them, that we brought to them. And then in the bottom right corner is what we usually start off before we do our sports activity or give out a testimony and just teach them something they can take and learn, at least from us. Just we'll do that. We did that every day. And at least one of us gave out testimony of ours. And then in the bottom left corner from me um, is our boy, leader, youngest, well, not youngest leader, Moses, teaching the kids to play wiffle ball. So really quick, why don't y'all tell us uh, first of all, um, how did this? How does this experience affect you? Uh, what did you What did you learn, and how did this affect your life? Well, I've learned how to you know, build build better relationships with people and how to communicate. Because one of the big challenges, especially with the with the sports, was the was with the language barrier. So we had to build good relationships with the translators and and talk to them, make sure that they gave out our plan with the other Africans. And it changed me with, with being more grateful for the stuff that we have here, with seeing the, the big lack that, that they have over there and just being grateful for the, for the small things we have here, like, well, like, for, like clean water, because they don't really have that over there, and, and food and all that stuff. 
Uh, so one of the things that took a big, that made me take a big step up was taking charge and being more of a leader down there. And just being down there with the kids, seeing their smiles and seeing them really happy for the things that I just brought from what I learned from just going to school or just just doing my daily life and just bringing it down there, seeing that like they were really happy for something that down here when we play like Sharks and Minnows, not many people get happy about it down here, but when we were playing it down there, they were ecstatic. They were just filled with joy and brought me so much happiness as to be a leader of one of those days and taking charge and making games, thinking of games and just seeing how happy they were for that. Uh, the Kojic Church would say, that's a good place to clap. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. My three Pentecostals and my four Baptists came through. <laughs> uh, then there was dinner time. Uh, dinner time was probably the first day that we were there. It was probably one of the most shocking moments. Uh, they pulled up in that white car that you see in the bottom right-hand corner, and you'll see Shannon over here, because Shannon and I had the biggest smile when we, I've never seen pots and pans this big, because they cook them on open fires, and they're giant, and it was just full of rice and beans, and the children would flood out of the streets with dirty Tupperware, and they would come down there, and they would get a scoop of rice and a scoop of beans, and just go to work, as if, I mean, it was, you know, Outback Steakhouse, baked potatoes, mashed potatoes, and all the other stuff that we so vehemently, you know, it was kind of like that. Uh, you see them at the top left corner. That was them coming out of the art room whenever it was time for dinner, and you just see the joy on their faces. They were so excited. It just, you know, talk about humbling, a humbling experience, you know, uh, to have the capacity to have six meals a day if I want it with a refrigerator that's full and a pantry that's full and, you know, a dollar that is incredibly strong compared to we could feed our boys over there. That's a miracle, y'all. <laughs> I mean, we, we would sit down at a restaurant and, like, I could, I mean, he, they were eating whole chickens. I, I realized how much they starve here, actually. <laughs> it's like, we have a meal at my house. With every plate, you have to drink two glasses of water. <laughs> because these bellies are, are something else. But uh, the Bible is true. The Bible says two things are never satisfied, the eye and the belly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then this is uh, the closest we could get to a group picture. It was just hard to get them all in one place. Uh, they'd be flooding this way and flooding that way. You know, some days we're looking at 184. Some days we're, I mean, we can't even count them. Uh, you can imagine trying to get enough food and resources and stuff. But Pastor Banda and his team, this is their life. And, and, and the people that he has serving with them, they do this daily as an act of service. There's no pay. There's no stipend. There's no, I mean, they don't consider themselves like a, 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 they consider themselves servants of Jesus. And this is just what servants of Jesus do. They see a need and they fill it. And so these were our champions and uh, I'll let Erica uh, kind of talk to you about these young ladies, these amazing young ladies. So one of the activities we did was each one of our team members interviewed one of the leaders and the volunteers. Um, and I interviewed Tendeka. She's the third one. So the first one is Prudence. And we learned that she is going to school for drama. She likes acting. And she is one of the teachers as well as Dejane. Dejang teaches also at the kindergarten, and her dream is to become a teacher. She really loves teaching. Tendeka is 17 years old, and she wants to open an orphanage. She has a heart for the children. She said she wants to make sure that children are loved and they feel safe. And like I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, Lorado is, I think, 15 or 16, and then Blessing is 15 to 16. So these are teenagers. They are, I mean, in my eyes, babies, and they are giving of their time. They're going, they're volunteering. They were our translators. They were our guides. They were teaching us about their cultures, and they're not all from the same culture, but the last three 
live in Tin Room. So that was just awesome, just getting to know them and spend time with them. That was the highlight of my trip, was just talking to these ladies. And there were also some men that also volunteered. And I think these were more constant. Um, but it was just amazing to see leadership come out of Tin Room. When I first got there and did the first walk, uh, to be honest, I was, I was angry. I was, I was angry. I was. I remember looking down one of these dirt roads and seeing the where the sky met Tin Room, and I remember the sky just being this beautiful blue with these sprinkles of clouds floating. It was just beautiful. I'm a sky watcher, so I love looking at the sky, and I'm like, Lord, how can I look at the sky and see such beauty and then look down and see such brokenness and lack and I was angry I'm like why why does this have to be and um, the Lord really worked with me through that moment and he showed me the beauties within Tin Room and you're looking at most of them my heart was just I'm trying not to cry but um to hear the stories so Tandeka I really connected with her um, probably because I interviewed her and asked her more questions, but she told me, like, her dream is to come to America. She doesn't, you know, this is not her life. And she said, I told my mom, we were talking, and she said, I told my mom, Mom, I was born here, but I will not die here. And I was like, girl. <laughs> I mean, you, the strength. And so with, I had to go back and revisit you know, that moment, the Lord forced me to go back and, and revisit the moment where I'm walking down that dirt road and I'm just like, why is this? But beautiful things can come out of brokenness. Beautiful things come out of struggle. Strength comes out of struggle. That's the only way that we learn how to be strong. We have to have some type of, of pushback, some type of challenge in order to see what's even in us. Because if everything goes well and everything is all comfortable, how do you know what you can take? And so as we spent the week with these beautiful, beautiful spirits, um, I was encouraged. They taught me. We went there to, to pour into them, and they ended up pouring into us. And I don't even know that they understand how much they, one, challenged me as a believer, as a teacher, as an educator, and as a woman of God challenged me to step up my game, to do more, to be more bold, to to ask more things of God, bigger things. Like I consider myself a big dreamer, wouldn't you think? But I was encouraged to dream even bigger than that. God is, he's bigger than anything. And if our, if our lives, if our hearts are aligned with his ideas and his word, he will give us whatever it is that we desire because he knows that our hearts are for him and for his people. So I, this was the highlight of my moment um, in South Africa with these leaders, these beautiful leaders, and they kind of helped to, I don't want to say redefine, but give a little bit more depth to the word leadership and what that looks like. Hey Amen. That was good. Uh, what you say? That's some good stuff. <laughs> so my buddy Brandon, who took us all down there, he runs Undefeated Growth Coaching. And his whole life, uh, God has gifted him with the ability to be able to look in people, to be able to see their gifts and their talents, and to be able to walk them step by step from where they are to a higher level point of maturity. So his framework is leadership because he's understood that everything rises and falls on leadership. If your leader is good, we see it over and over again, evidenced in the scripture, when the king was good, the nation was good. When the king was bad, the nation was bad, right? Because uh, the Bible says that when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked are there, it's not too good for us because everything rises and falls on leadership. So that was a principle that we took over there that it's not about us being the savior, it's about us going over there and bringing the kingdom of God out of the people that are there to help them develop into the leaders that they're called to be because God sent them there for a reason. None of us were sent to our families, our communities, our country, our states, the city, the lineage. God has intention with all of it. 
uh, Galatians says that there's works that God before ordained good works for us to do and that we were sent to do those things in the day of Christ Jesus. We walk in those things. God has planned it all out. So it's less about going over there and being a savior, and it's more about going over there and see who God has positioned to rise up to be his emissaries, his ambassadors, to stand in the gap between the culture of the world and the culture of the kingdom to do the work of God. And these ladies uh, are already trying to do that. And so one of our goals is to equip them and to assist them in whatever ways we can. So that was awesome. And then we're going we're gonna to end with open doors. When we were over there, God just began to just open the floodgates with all of these different experiences. And if you're there, you know open doors uh, was, a, was a sermon that was preached while we were there. Uh, one of the first places that we went was there is a ministry called Flockhouse Ministries. And this guy is amazing. This is he's a Nigerian pastor named David Abom. He's wearing the red and black jacket right there. And this is Brandon. My buddy Brandon is also a preacher. So Dave, I'm going to hook y'all up. So y'all can do the preacher thing. But uh, everywhere we went, the doors flung wide open. We walk into this place, and when I tell you I've never felt more, I hate to say undeserving, uh, but we walk in, and just like y'all are seated, people are seated, and then there's a table that the blue table sees around the room, around the outer doors, and there's plates there. And they invite us in like royalty, and they position us around these plates, and then for the next, was brand about two hours, two and a half hours maybe, they serve us food after meal, after meal, after delicacy, while everyone in that room stood up one by one and gave their testimony about God has radically changed their life. The people that you're looking at, ex-drug addicts, ex-prostitutes, and they would stand up. What David Abom has done is he has created a ministry that is discipleship. He has a facility, and the people come and live with him for three to six months and sometimes longer, according to these testimonies. Every morning, they all get up at 5 o'clock, and they all worship together for an hour. Then they all clean together for discipline for two hours. Then they go into Bible study till lunchtime. Then they go out and do works together, come back, do dinner, clean, and go back into Bible study and worship every single day. And we saw how God, his word works. We try so many things to change people's lives. We try so many different methodologies and institutions. And the reality is that Jesus modeled that daily word following someone who helped you and guide you in that process and disciplines to the thing of the word of God will in every case where your heart is submitted radically transform your life. Every case. Every case. Oh, you have something to add? Oh, how do, what did y'all think about this experience? Um, the experience in itself was was really powerful with with hearing the different testimonies from the people and seeing how broken they were from the start and then seeing them still through the process of how God really changed their life and seeing like the like the true power of God working inside the people. It was just, it was just really amazing. To me, this experience was truly blessing. Just knowing that some of these, um, some of these things that these people go through, happen down here, and just seeing how powerful they are to actually stand up and take charge of their life, instant whining to just be close to God. And after dinner, I felt truly honored to for them to even walk up and talk to me. Like I felt so honored to think that they would walk up and be like. You're such an amazing person. How do you? How are you able to do all this? And I'm just like, how are you able to do this? <laughs> like I struggle just getting a little bit of time with the Lord, and I know that that's like my problem. And I see them, and they talk about their testimonies, how they started, and how they just chose to just randomly switch their life just like that, and be so charged and stay on point to just be able to do this daily just 24-7 with their Lord. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Start giving the mic to Kenyon more. Kenyon and got three hand claps. Praise Jesus. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Who's counting though, right? 
<laughs> right. It's, it, see how I'm still working on it. Uh, we also got to go to Bishop in, in Mikado's. Uh, they invited us out to come, and the bishop prayed over the work that we were doing in Africa, and that was really awesome. But we also got to have our first, was that the first dose or the second dose, Brandon, of African church? It was the second dose, Dave? Okay, so this was the second dose of that, but this is a different dose. It was, it was very different. Babe, you want to talk to us about our, our, our second introduction? So this was like a convention. So Pastor Banda, he has a church um, and is affiliated with Bread of Life. So this is where all of the Bread of Life churches got together at this location, and they worshiped together. They sang together. And um, when we first got there, we I can't remember what time it started, 6. We got there around, what's it, 4? We got there around 4, and we were the only ones in the building. And we were like, oh, okay, they haven't started yet. So we left, we went to eat. <laughs> It came back about an hour and a half later and, you know, people were there. And so we came in and it was like, wow, this is really, this is really cool. So you can see the praise team. There's two different shots. The, the one at the top, that's a, a Zulu song that they were singing. And I, I don't know the language for the one at the bottom, but the, it was amazing. The beautiful voices, acapella and just the singing and it seemed like everyone was born with the gifting of song that was up there it was just beautiful and we worshiped for like an hour or longer, or longer listening to the beautiful sounds of you know africa and we had a, a translator that was kind of telling us what the words meant and so about an hour and a half maybe we were like wow this is, this is great and then speakers came on. And then people started moving to instruments and the drums. And we were like, well, wait a minute, what's going on? So we asked one of the volunteers next to us. I think it was, was Zacharias. And he said, oh, now we're, we're about to really have church. We're about to get started. It's like, what do you mean? What did we just do? So apparently that was pre-church. But... The instruments came and they sang again for another hour or so and danced and it was it was really awesome. So then we all got the opportunity to go to a Bread of Life International Church where Brandon made way for me to be able to bring the word. And once again, they dance in the African church. So this was amazing. I think that every... I'm talking about we danced and we danced. And so the women would go dance and the men would go dance and then the, the men would go dance and then the women would go dance. And it's like they had systems and cycles of how this stuff's supposed to work. But I'm preaching and I'm getting to a point to where I'm like, I'm perspiring and my little lungs were beating hard. And I'm thinking, these African preachers must double as marathon runners because I'm exhausted and we haven't even got to the sermon part yet. I said, Jesus, be, be my strength is like a real scripture in, in African churches. But look at Brandon. Boy, he was getting it. He was getting it. <laughs> so that was that. And then uh, we got to go and meet Urs, who, Urs, oh my goodness, I did it. She talked to me all week about saying this man's name right, and I messed it up. Was, old folks would say, God, dog, you done kicked over a good bucket of milk. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we got to meet. They, they found at Lighthouse Ministries, and that man came down in the middle of apartheid with from Switzerland with a vision to come down there and help the African community. They adopted an African daughter, and then he sat there and shared his journey of just how racist it was and how they would be ostracized. They would walk into hotels, and they would be checking him out, and then they would see that he had a black daughter and tell him, oh, no, you can't stay here. And this, is, this is not that far. That's not that long ago, you know? And so that was, that was inspiring and filled us with faith, uh, as, as my buddy Dave would say. And then um, we had some awesome experiences as well. Uh, my wife got to see African penguins. She got to hold an African goat. I don't know if it's any different than an American goat, but she held it in Africa. <laughs> uh, we got to go on a safari with the giraffe and watch lions eat. And then because it's Africa and you can do things that are, that are highly illegal. We got to uh, play with tigers, like a real tiger. And 
Which is King said, my best friend. Yeah, I mean, we got, you have to sign a waiver before you go in there, and it's like, yeah, cuts, bruises, punctures, yeah, none of that's covered. <laughs> and so, but for $20. <laughs> 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 yeah. TIA, this is Africa, right? And uh, this will be our, our final stage. So <laughs> at the end of the day, we came up with some next steps. So as I was talking, uh, the Lord has commissioned us to be able to support the work that he's doing in all kinds of different ways, right? We, not all everybody's going to go, not all everybody's going to preach, but everybody had something burning within your heart. It might have been Flockhouse Ministries where you saw the work that David Obama was doing. And you're going to want to know, like, how can, I, how can I help that guy? Like, that's absolutely amazing. Uh, it might have been the school and the fact that like, we have the opportunity to put in the infrastructure for a school. My wife actually got a, a, a contact with the Ministry of Education of South Africa. And we're emailing, I'm emailing them back and forth saying, you know, what are the legalities around going off in here and saying, no, we're going we're gonna to take this building. We're going to get them a curriculum. We're going to get them a scope and sequence. My wife and I, I've been training teachers my whole life. That's what I do. I teach people how to teach, and so I can do that wirelessly and uh, get them a curriculum, a scope and sequence, some material. Stuff over here is so cheap. Uh, the dollar has an 18 to 1 advantage on the RAND. That means that what would seem expensive becomes cheap. When God positions you in a place to have that kind of influence over another environment, it is negligence to not use it. Uh, many of us were sent here to be Americans to get the power of the dollar to use that to do great works in other places. It's not so much about building a castle here. Uh, one of the mistakes that Solomon made, if you go back and you read the text, is he built his house bigger than the temple of God. And that evidence in his lifestyle. Uh, the reality is that when God gives us great resources, it's to do the great work that he's called us to do. And being positioned in the United States, we have resources to do great works in other places. The reality is not about what we have resources to do. The reality is how humble will we be to understand that nothing that we have is ours. That when you are in a kingdom, everything belongs to a king and that you're just a steward. And the steward does whatever the king says to do with the resources. And so um, there's physical needs, school building, securing David is a builder, his building mine. It was so funny listening to a builder on this trip. And like, he saw everything. He saw the beauty in them taking all of this stuff that we would cast off as trash and being able to create in buildings and concretes and all these kinds of amazing things. And so his mind was like, okay, how are we going to secure it? What can we do for infrastructure-wise? But ultimately, the thing that's the most important, at least from my personal perspective, is the leadership development. Uh, we saw that, one, we can train these ladies to be teachers. We saw, two, that we can provide a structure to help them to get out of poverty. I am not a fan of going somewhere and preaching Jesus and leaving people in poverty. Jesus didn't even do that. Jesus didn't preach Jesus and leave them hungry. He gave them fish and bread, and then he preached about the kingdom of God. They were two things that moved together. Uh, the kingdom of God is our influence on the earth today, or else Jesus would not have told us to pray every single day, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. If you're going to tell me there's lack in heaven, then we serve two different gods. My God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He can't be shortened. His arm cannot be pulled back. There's nothing that he can't do. What he's waiting for is people to work through. And I believe that we're those kind of people. I believe that you are that kind of person. And I, and I love that. And so uh, we're going to look and see what it would take to put some kind of infrastructure to get some of these girls into college because they're the ones that are there. And so if you're going to give out your life educating these children for free, uh, we might as well do something to try to help you get out of poverty. And then the system is, is that most people, when you break through, you always reach back and you pull two or three or four more with you because now we've equipped them to be the ministry in South Africa instead of us just running over there trying to be a savior. So instead of being the foundation, we're just a temporary support to build people up to continue to do the work of God because that's what God does. He works through leadership. And so it's the college assistance and the leadership training. And there might be somebody in this room that says, I was talking to Jurgen because Jurgen actually already supports people in Africa for college. And uh, we were talking to him about his, uh, his organization and maybe putting something together to channel some of the girls through that with, with the girls that he's doing. So God has all kinds of things that he can do. Uh, it's, it's just, man, are we willing? Are we humble enough to say this is the work that the Lord is doing and we can do something about it? You know, so what if, if I don't get Starbucks this month? I mean, most of us could put a girl through college if we just stopped Starbucks for a month. 
that hundred dollars, that's twelve hundred dollars a year. That's somebody's college education. Like, is it really worth it? Is it really worth it? So we'd like to thank you all. Dave, thank you so much. I know that this, this might have ran a little bit long, but we're so appreciative of being able to share all of the things that God was doing down there. It's just the beginning. You know, uh, God always begins in introductions. Uh, most of the things that God does is bare sheet, bare sheet, in the beginning, in the beginning. And there was a moment where I was down there, and, and Dave does this often, but I had to be reminded that, that we are never restricted or constrained by the things that we see in life. Gideon learned this lesson. Moses learned this lesson at the edge of the Reed Sea. David learned this lesson in the valley with Goliath. We are never restricted by the physical things. They are so irrelevant. They are so irrelevant. The only thing that's relevant is our dependency on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and our ability in the midst of the situation when the fire is the hottest, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to look our enemy in the eye and say, you can do whatever you want to do. But at the end of the day, our God is able to do everything that he says that he's going to do. We're going to stand on that. And even if I don't see it in my lifetime, you can still take me out because I'm not changing my mind. That's the power of the boldness of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom is a government, but I'm not going to get on that today. Me and, me and my buddy Dave, we'll talk about that later. So, uh, guys, you're an ambassador of God's kingdom. Uh, Paul says in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20 and in Ephesians that we are ambassadors, ambassadors of reconciliation. The Greek word used there is persuabo, and that word literally means, guess what? Ambassador. You are a representative. And God's representatives came with the full weight and power of the government that we were sent from. Ambassadors are the moving, living, breathing representative of the king that they come from. And our job is to stand for our king's interest no matter what. And so if any of you have a heart that's burning within you to partner with what the ambassadors are going to be doing in this work, we'd love for you to join us.